0: Gabe and I pick up right where we left off in episode one, talking about online church, digital discipleship, and all the kinds of things that come with that, as well as what do we do about vocation and ministry and calling? Specifically, one of my favorite questions and answers I got from him was asking him, what do we do when we fire a pastor? When a pastor gets fired, are we uncalling them from ministry? So I hope you'll stay and listen uh, and be blessed and enjoy what we had to talk about.
1: And so, that's yeah, I get that.
0: Well, and it's funny, yeah. You mentioned like, you know, why are we doing things the way we do, and so on. Because um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've been having to read these articles because of the the way that church has become online during the pandemic and stuff like that. And it's just been really interesting. The amount of times I've seen the word "innovate," um you know, when it comes to churches, which isn't a bad attitude in and of itself, but it. I remember like asking in staff meeting uh, and this is why I have this podcast because there's so many things that I want to ask that I don't because I might get in trouble. Uh, but I was like, how do we innovate the small group? Like mm. at some point it's like you get a bunch of people together, whether digitally or in person and you like open the Bible or a Christian book, or whatever. And you talk about your feelings and you pray. And I'm like, <laughs> I- I'm trying to see where the innovation comes in. Cause like you mm-hmm. know, or or we always go like, um, oh, we want to be like Acts 2. We're going to get Acts 2. We're going to have the Acts 2 model church or whatever, as if that's like perfect. I'm like, well, I don't know. We haven't had enough councils on what to do about circumcision, in my opinion. That's what they were doing in Acts. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, oh, yeah, we almost act like it was idyllic and all this stuff. We got to get back to that. And I go, well, I I feel like – you know, I, I've been trying to learn more about the early church. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts on the early church. And it's just so funny, like the the differences that they had, like, you know, like communion was a big thing for them. Uh-huh. Like I've wanted to, you know, at so many churches be like, why do we do communion once a month? Like, why is it not a big deal? Like from what we know, like really the apostles teaching was just kind of something like it was just organic. It was, you know, they'd read like a letter that Paul had just written or something like that. Uh, you know, they didn't have, like, a big old stage with, like, all kinds of lights. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But we talk about, like, Acts 2 Church. Uh, You know, it's like, well, the early church was a little bit different. Like, why, like, let's not really pretend that we're really trying to be, like, the Acts 2 Church or whatever. Or when it comes to innovating, it's like, they weren't really that concerned about innovating. They're like, dude, we have this relationship with Jesus and he rose from the dead and paid for our sins and all this stuff. And we just want to have joy and celebrate that yeah. in our own way, how they did throughout the centuries. Um, so, yeah, I, I totally get that.
1: Yeah. I, 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 I used to be one of those, like, let's get back to AXE type persons. And now I'm just like, dang, if we were to take that same principle of, like, let's just get back to the good old days, like, you know, then, then let's just go back to oil lamps, you know, like, yeah. electricity. It was so much better. There were so many more jobs with, you know, whaling. And we had <laughs> oil lantern. Maybe that's horrible comparison, but I,
0: sure. I, I I get what you're saying
1: though. I, I just think, yeah, like you know, uh, we wouldn't have the iPhone if we take that. You know, we wouldn't wouldn't have the iPhone. Um, I think I. Whew, I really love this one. I think we got to be willing to let some things die.
0: Yeah, I get
1: that. Not saying kill them. I'm not saying axe them. I'm just saying. Uh, like man, you've been doing that recovery group like that way, and three the same three people show up. Let's let's switch it up. There's people who are addicted. We gotta switch it up,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know. And if we're not constantly looking for ways to make disciples, and you know, like early church wasn't complicated, you know, cleanse the leopard, heal the sick, cast out demons, like boom. I, I like the Vineyard guy. What's his name? Uh, the, name vineyard guy who said let's go do the stuff when are we going to do the stuff <laughs> uh i don't know but okay sounds legit john winberg i think anyways he said early on like he you know, became a christian gave his heart to jesus read the bible something happened uh and then he went to church service and he was there for like a month or so a few months i'm butchering the story you can look it up and he just says he finally looked to one of the pastors and says okay when are we going to do this stuff hmm when are we going to do the when, when, miracles and the casting out demons? When are we going to do it? And they're like, oh, no, no. <laughs> we got three more hymns to go through. And then we're going to hear a sermon for 45 minutes. And then that's the stuff. That's what we do. Mm. And just be really nice to your neighbors at work and don't get fired. And, you know, God bless you. And you're forgiven. Mm. And, you know, and John, he, John was like, no. And so... He he dove back into the Bible and said, "I want to do the stuff." And the vineyard had a big movement. Don't know where they're at now. Probably yeah. still, doing good I think work. They're still doing pretty well. This is a pretty um, sizable I,
0: vineyard church near me.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, like they're. I, my prayer is I hope that they're still committed to doing the stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And and it's not just saying like miracles or the supernaturals. Like where to go, <laughs> like that's where everybody needs to be, you know. um, But it is saying, like, if we agree with God's heart for the brokenhearted, for the widow, for the oppressed, um, you know, for the orphan, for the immigrant, whatever, then that's the stuff we got to be doing. Yeah. Um, uh, Our church did a really cool thing. Our senior pastor, along with a few other pastors, uh, about 190 of them, 200 of them, all signed their names in this ad. Uh, in the Seattle Times, uh, the recent killing in Georgia.
2: Oh uh, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: just kind of bringing attention to that, and saying to our to our to our family or to our brothers and sisters in Christ, we, we stand with you. Mm. God bless you. You know, like yeah, and it was real beautiful. Um, and my buddy, who's really been working with uh, the staff and all this, said something really cool. He was like, "Man, the same the same. It's a sprint; it's a marathon." Mm-hmm. Uh, social justice and this type of change and addressing uh, racial tension in the country he was like man this isn't uh this isn't a, a sprint it's a marathon but it's not a normal marathon it's not the la marathon it's a spartan race yeah <laughs> it's a tough matter
0: oh i get that
1: like there's electrical fences like you will get like shot you will cut yourself mm-hmm. you will get hurt you know um and i just thought that was beautiful so again like I think as churches, we're trying to innovate. Uh, I think like how we do services and whatnot, technology, all that, use it, try it, go for it. Like the reason they used house and axe is because they had houses. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, like, we have airplanes. Like our world is ridiculously different.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, God forbid Jesus comes back and he looks around and he's like, well, this place hasn't changed a bit. You know, like how, like, no, that's not what Revelation says. It says he's going to come back and his bride is going to be like dressed and ready for him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I <laughs> just think, like, yeah, like, wouldn't it be cool showing Jesus, like, how Tesla's made? <laughs> I mean, how, go, how what's made? How Tesla's made. He's going to be like, oh, yeah, I remember thinking that up with you you know?
0: Oh yeah. I never thought about that, man. That's an
2: interesting thought.
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, I, 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 and right. I love how he talks about life afterwards, like life after life after death. Like what's Mm. that going to look like, man, I hope I can still garden, you know, like, you know,
0: (laughs) Oh dude, I'm so worried about, uh, the lack of surf in heaven because there'll be no sea according to revelation. Uh, and there's all kinds of, you know, interpretive,
1: you know, reasons for that. What if there's no more sea like salt water? you know, and it's Mm -hmm. just fresh water.
0: Oh, like it's just all like Kelly Slater's surf ranch or something like that. (laughs) Because there's something like, if I remember correctly, I learned it forever ago at Azusa Pacific. So it's one of those little kernels you keep, but it was like that the sea represented chaos, especially to like this desert dwelling people. Uh, Because in a way like, yeah, we can predict all these things with storms, but like you could just be out in the ocean one day. And all of a sudden, some crazy storm comes and wipes out your ship or like a whale, you know, comes and right. smashes or whatever. And that's a giant sea monster. Like, that's pretty crazy to these, you know, pe- to these ancient peoples. Uh, and so yeah, there's all this stuff with, like Genesis and how um, the the waters of the deep represented mm-hmm. chaos and all this stuff. And so Revelation, there's just not going to be this chaos. There's not going to be there'll be no sea is, you know, sort of the idea behind there not being chaos. So
1: well, there'll be lakes, so we could go wake surfing.
0: <laughs> uh, I hope so. Yeah. I, I love it. I get you. Um, well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I uh, am mm-hmm. I just had like two more things I wanted to touch on and get your opinion on. It's been fun. Um, what, so what's your church been doing with the online, you know, shift? And I've heard a lot of things of online churches here to stay. Um, and I, I'm so curious, like, you know, do you think that's a good thing? Or what are some of the pros and cons? What are the... Maybe the things that, you know, is it really this inevitable thing that someday we're going to put on goggles, like, you know, VR goggles and go to church, you know, that way?
1: Yeah. um, uh, I I think VR goggles at church, online church to stay, is like everybody in the 1980s thinking by the year 2020 while flying cars.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, I get that. Okay.
1: Flying car essential. Like, no, we just have this new technology, and I think we're just really trying to experiment with it, and we're going to one extreme.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I think we haven't counted the cost, and I think COVID has allowed us to look at, like, well, we really do like coming to a building. You know? Why do I have church clothes if I could just wear my pajamas? Like, I kind of like wearing church clothes as much as I complained about them. Like, you know, if you come from a place that has church clothes. Right. <laughs> I wear jeans and flip-flops and a white t-shirt like all the time going to church growing up. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think it's here to stay. I, our church is doing a great job. We've adapted well. Uh, most of us, uh, we really only have like a few people on campus, uh, strict rules about being on campus. We just had a meeting today, making sure everybody's taking all the precautions, um, in terms of our services i mean we're trying really hard to engage with people outside of sunday so sunday sermon service is happening for us uh we're fairly produced i wouldn't say we're highly produced there's a lot of work that goes into it but in terms of production i think we're like grade seven like we aren't as okay i believe it other people Well it's like a low seven um um and just because our facilities is just you know we have to build our modern worship services we have two we have sanctuary and a modern um it's yeah i we've adapted well there's a bunch of churches who i know haven't
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and so my heart goes out to them because i'm just like crap like we are so fortunate that we already had live stream like we were so fortunate that we've been working on this or those cameras or mm-hmm. um this thing, or the ability to record pre-record services you know so it's yeah so our church um, is committed to people gathering. That's what I've gotten out of the past few weeks. And so um, if, if we happen to die as a church, it's because we were committed to people gathering. Um, <laughs> okay, I get that. Um, but if we start to thrive as a church, um, then no, it's because we're committed to people gathering. So we'll see in like five or 10 years. <laughs> Have me on the podcast again, and we'll talk about it. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, you better, especially if like this does really well. You know, I got to invite you back. Yeah. Um, yeah, i'm just i i think that's what we're working towards not necessarily in not necessarily back to where we were we're committed to also not going back to where we were
0: oh yeah that's been yeah it's been a, a thing i've heard from a lot of churches like we're not going back we're going forward
1: yeah and forward couldn't look similar to back but mm-hmm. we have an opportunity to kind of redream and re-envision that so we're i think we're committed to um recreating the space for people to engage each other and to worship collectively. We believe in the corporate gathering um, and a place where people can meet Jesus, hopefully through the services, through the sermons, through a group. Uh, a lot of our groups we're looking, uh, we've been working on the past few years, but a lot of our groups want to be in homes during the week. Um, how to get those started, how to do those, we're still trying to figure that out. I, you know. Um, but I think, I think we're committed. I mean, we 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 as a church may have to add a midweek service. That's how committed we are. We don't do a midweek service right now. We do like two six-week sprints a year. Yeah. Hmm. And so um, we may to, may need to add just one more. I'm not too sure. So I hope that answers your question. I think for a lot of churches, I can see them capitalize on it. Church Home does a really good job of adapting. They got a really great creative and response team. Um, who else? I mean, like, Bethel's doing a great job, but I, even still, I think with them, I'm hearing this, like, undertone of, like, when we're able to gather again. Um, hmm. So, I love it. Like, I was supposed to go to Heaven Come Conference this weekend. Mm-hmm. I got rescheduled August 2021. And again, it's for moments like that. It, maybe it's not church every Sunday. Maybe it's you gather once a month, and it's like a big worship service
0: oh interesting yeah that's been that's been something i've kind of explored a little bit like um i i really like doing small groups and discipleship that way with youth yeah. but yeah one of the things you know i, I read some article is like it wasn't meant to be bleak but it was like maybe we need to i think his word was we need to euthanize the small group or something like that and he was like you know think of like the most um uh fruitful discipleship relationships you've had or the you know he's, he's talking about discipleship in general he's like is it usually like a forced thing or like the whole church has to do whatever he's like no usually it's like organic it's like a bunch of people who are like hey Gabe like man I just want to open the word like let's talk about these things let's do the things mm-hmm. you know think like Bob Goff talks about you know stop having so many bible studies and have bible doings uh That's you know cool. do the things that Jesus commanded us to do um and the guy was like that's that's where discipleship that's where bible doing is happening is in the organic not in the oh we're all going to do this um you know so and and it has to be this way and we have to measure and have these numbers but i will say you know i i think that leadership style can be helpful of saying okay we're not just gonna get a guitar man and just do whatever at some point it's like okay we do need to have some metrics we do need to have some idea of what's our mission what's our goal. And we need to do that. We need to have, you know, those sorts of organizational leadership things. Um, But yeah, I think uh, when it comes to online church, I'm, I'm just not a fan. Maybe I'm a stick in the mud. Um, But, and this is actually, this goes back to our talk about camp.
1: It's tough. Uh, Big adjustment. It's what we've been used to. It's tough.
0: Yeah. I I think for me, it, it goes back a little bit to what we talked about with camp where the reason I think camp, won't quite die and the reason why you know the big ones will get bigger and the small ones will kind of you know go away or get you know sold out whatever to the bigger ones is i think people are hungry for human experiences um and that's what church is and i think unfortunately you know i don't think we're gonna become like uh those those people of wally who are just like super obese and just sit in front of like a screen all the time i don't think that's necessarily where we're going but But
1: it's similar and i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, but I see how like, yeah, you know, people always complain about how our necks, like we have these neck problems now because we're always looking or down our phone. or
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> um, Which I don't think is necessarily true because I go, people used to read a newspaper, you know, on the bus instead of talking to each other because mm-hmm. it's weird to talk to each other on a bus. It's okay for kids to sit on their iPhone and not talk. It's not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I see, how, yeah, we're having more digital experiences. But at some point, like we need human experience of mm-hmm. hugging someone, of – sleeping in a you know rickety cabin and you know playing these weird games and painting our faces like i think that's what people are hungry for or at least what our spirit ultimately longs for so that's why i think like yeah we need to have some kind of gathering i don't know if forever it has to be you know we do like the one song that everyone knows that they heard on christian radio and then the song we wrote and then the sad song and then announcements from like the cool guy with the tattoo and then a you know, That's 40 weird. minute sermon, which I also can't stand. I used to get pressured at some churches to like preach for 45 minutes. And I was like, dude, after about 25, I just start to, it's just, I feel like I'm making stuff up. Like, ah. and, and Hey, some people can pull off the 45 minute sermon and if you can, and people, you know, are blessed by that and grow and they're like, great. Okay, good. But like, man, for me after yeah, 25 minutes, is kind of my sweet spot.
1: Um, yeah. Man, there are people like, there are people like that. I'm a 45 guy. I oh love, yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. I love ministry time. I love that. But let me tell you 20 minutes or so, 25, there's people who like, yep, that's for you. Like I, I would love it. I wish churches would like accommodate that by not fulfilling by fulfilling both sides. Let's do a sermon for the first 25 minutes. That's the meat. That's like the main message. And then if you want to, if you want to play with it a little bit more, and hear a little bit more teaching from your pastor so he could be off script a little bit more boom stay an extra 20 minutes <laughs> why don't churches do that
0: dude I, I totally get you yeah there's so many like weird things oh, yeah. where yeah we talk about oh we're not held down by tradition or whatever but it's like yeah we kind of are because like if we don't do yeah. these certain things we freak out um anyway so uh well, what one uh uh final question for you uh and we talked about this a little bit earlier um by
1: the way this uh, has been so fun like i was so nervous to
0: do this, this <laughs> oh dude i love it as well because yeah there's there's some people who like you know they're just they uh they aren't talking and that's totally fine but yeah there's some people where it's like man we could just talk about jesus and the bible you know for hours on end uh but just for you know sake of our time and our our lives um so we, we talked about calling a little bit earlier, uh, and this has been something that, you know, we would just talk about like ad infinitum uh, at Fuller or APU is, you know, they talk about we got to understand our calling, man. And we had like five classes on it and it used to drive me crazy because I was like, I don't know anything about the early church. That's why I'm listening to podcasts. I don't know uh, half as much as I want to know about Revelation or the book of Daniel. Like, you know, we, I didn't take nearly enough classes on that, but I know how to do Ignatian prayer, which actually is kind of cool. Um, but so, uh, that's education. Okay. So on calling, um, something I wish we talked about, and I don't think it's brought up enough because it's, it's a sticky wicket. Uh, so, you know, you talked about your call to ministry. I feel called to be a pastor, you know, even if I don't get paid to do it, I'd still do it. But when you hire someone, a lot of times, and I think the Presbyterian church was this way as well. They'd say, you know, you are accepting the call to this church was like the language more denominational churches use. Yeah. But then when you fire someone, you know, are you uncalling them to ministry? Uh, And that's something I struggle with. So I I was wondering if you have any opinion or perspective on that.
1: Real quick with the firing thing, just because you're called to be a pastor doesn't mean you're going to be a good one. And that's okay. You gotta be, you gotta mess up.
2: Hmm. And I
1: think more churches need to fire more people. Period. Oh, interesting. That's just my belief. Like, I, I worked for Hawaiian Airlines. There was like Attendance control program. If you are tardy and this and this, this when we let you go. Behavioral, um, what is it called? Like correction, like corrective behavior, something. I don't know Mm -hmm. what we call it. Like there's a process like, and I think a lot of companies have have slipped away from this, but like you, you need to be told that you've done something wrong. Hmm. And if you screw up at your job, you need to know, like you screwed up you gave us extra work without running the HR
2: hmm. and
1: complaining that your manager said you didn't do a good job. Like, you know, I hate to, yeah. So I should probably stop them and get myself in trouble, but like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. I mean, cause that I, and I it, almost have the opposite opinion where I feel like fired. Oh, it's, sorry, you're on.
1: it's a good feeling to get fired. Really? It's a great, you want to know why? Because then, like, there's no questions. You didn't do a good job. Maybe they were a jerk. Maybe they are whatever the excuse is. And as real as it may be, like, do a lousy job and watch that motivate you to try harder the next time. Hmm. I'm just a good loser. I've, I've lost enough. I've, I've <laughs> never been fired from a job. Um, but I just, like, again, I said it earlier, I, I, correction. I yeah. about it. It's so good. And so I just think, like, so, again, so... To continue that, you get fired from this church because you're a lousy youth pastor. And maybe they didn't, like, maybe they just wanted numbers, mm-hmm. whatever the thing may be. Uh, maybe you just had beliefs, like, that just contradicted. I, I love what Bill Johnson does in Bethel. I hate to keep bringing him up, but That's fine. when he hires people at Bethel, he's, he shares them his vision, like, as the leader of that church and says, this is what myself and the leadership team have decided this is what we're doing. And he says, can you get behind all of that? Hmm. And they go, mm, well, this one part I don't really agree on it. And Bill's like, okay, great, not a fit for you. And mm, like, next, makes sense. and so what he's trying to do. And some people get like, oh no, that's a cult. You know, that's why it's so bad. I'm like, mm, I don't know. Like I've been there. It was, didn't seem cultish. Um, um, you can definitely see where some people visiting want to play into maybe that a little bit. But anyways, I leave that alone. Um, I love that. Let me get behind you. let me let me support let me let me learn how to be a pastor in this context and and not every context is going to work moses moses did a bang-up job david was called to be king he did a pretty bang-up job in that pretty pretty bang-up job at that you know so i just mean we see examples in the bible where people are called to something and they fail at it Hmm. or called to something and they do a horrible job and again you have to use that word did a horrible job. You don't say, "Oh, he gave it the best shot." Like, no, you have to say, hey, I royally. Like, why the Bible such a hard book to read? Book of flawed people. It's just, mm-hmm. Everybody's screwed up in that. And so, if we read it right, like if we read the Bible right, we realize we're just screwed up. Yeah. So and so that's why I feel like, man, like let's 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 hire more pastors. Great, hey, Gabe, you're out of here. <laughs> like, <you're> good. <laughs> Oh, I'm like, what, what did I do? And, and of course, some coaching. Don't just fire people. Just to right, right. Miserable. But like, hey, you know, you' not really what we were looking for. Like, we were looking for a pastor that, you know, ran hyper programs, and we were just trying to get our younger numbers up. Like, and you have a relationship with 22 people out of a church of 3,000. Yeah, you know like we need more young adult numbers sorry but hey you're nice you, know, you keep coming to our church It's are just not going to pay you <laughs> like yeah. great and then i get to sit back and reflect all right that didn't work out i need to go to a mentor get to go to a friend anyway i'm mean, kind of going on but you get what i'm saying no
0: i i get that yeah it's it's interesting because i so i guess my question is um
1: the calling's still there there's the answer to the question sure
0: oh yeah no i get that um I, I think that that is like a tough thing though. They used to like tell us, you know, in some classes, they're like, hey, be careful because, you know, you have to understand this theology of like, if you're saying you're calling someone, then you need to process with them. If you fire them, what, you know, you need to be like, hey, do you still feel called to this? Like, do you still need mentorship? Do you, you know, I'm not saying you are a terrible pastor, you know, but yeah. sometimes it's like, hey, you weren't the best fit for this church, or maybe you do just stink at this. And you need to be in a place where you can fail and you can improve, but this isn't the place where you can keep failing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Especially in a role of leadership. Like we can't have you, like you could screw up. And I love how a lot of denominations have reconciliation, you know, pastor um, cheats on his wife, whatever the condition may be like, Hey, like you have to correct it. We have to fix mm -hmm. it. We have to restore it. And when we restore it, you may, there may not be a seat for you here. Mm. And I think that some denominations do. I know that some of God does it really well. Um, I I don't know what the PC USA approach mm-hmm. is, but I'm sure. I mean, they're Presbyterian. They have a really good system. I bet you they do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, forgot what I was saying. But like, yeah, restoration within that when people screw up, like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and walking them through it, and walking them out, walking them out the front door.
0: Oh you know? yeah. Well, there was even, like, there was a weird, uh, really crazy story from, like, when I was at an undergrad where we had, like, these case studies we would do in class sometimes. Right. And there was the story of, like, a pastor and a church who did, like, a big night of prayer and worship. You know, it was a great success. And they said, hey, you know, we never really practice confession. Let's do a time of confession. So if pastors and church leaders and, you know, so on be there. And we'll explain the theology and all that. And one of the key things was, uh, you know, these people are going to hear your confessions of your sins, whatever. And we are, you know, making a commitment, a vow, whatever, to keep it to the grave. We're taking this to the grave. Like we're not telling anyone, you know, we're not whatever. Like the, so that was their thing. And um, uh, uh, the like executive pastor or something like that actually went for confession with another pastor uh, that night. And he confesses some crazy stuff like that. He was seeing prostitutes for like 15 years. And that like, he was already had an STD and his wife doesn't know and all this stuff. And so they go, okay. So imagine you're that pastor who just heard that. What do you do? And we're like, you know, like 21 years old. We're like, like, ah, oh, holy smokes. So we're all like, okay, you got to fire the guy. You got to tell his wife. Like that, that was all our thing. And so eventually you know, we would have to explain what we did. We have to write a paper on it. And then we'd kind of get the right answer, at least what happened. Um, there wasn't really a right answer. Just wanted to see what, you know, what, what your thought process was. And we all sort of failed in that we didn't take to heart that you are taking this to the grave. Like, how important is that? When you, someone confesses to you, wow. what do you take to the grave? And that, that could be a whole other podcast of like, That's we good. were like, okay, yeah, if someone's, you know, molesting a child or like murdered someone you know, that family of the victim probably should definitely, you know, deserves justice. Um, but, you know, with this, it's like, well, I was sticky wicked. So the right answer was the pastor said, you know, I'll pray for you and forgive us, by any, and, and the, 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 the executive pastor said he wanted help. He was saying, this is my cry for help. Awesome. And so he said, okay, like, let's get you in therapy and, you know, counseling and whatever. And he said, you know, if you want to tell your wife, we'll help you, but I'm not going to tell her. So he tells his wife, somehow she forgives him or whatever. It was a whole process, but they go to couples counseling. They work it out with the other pastor or that pastor he confessed to. And the only people who ever found out was the guy's wife. their like therapist or whatever. And the pastor. And so, and he stayed at his job and did a great job and whatever. And you know, was restored and all that. And we went, wait a minute. But if only like they knew, how do you know this story? And and our teacher goes, I was the pastor he confessed to, and we just like lost our minds. We're like, what? Like that actually happened to you? Like that's insane. Um, and so awesome. it, it was it was it was just absolutely crazy. Because um, to, to us, we just couldn't imagine like, wow, like actually, you know, taking that to the grave. I mean, obviously, we don't know who the guy is or whatever mm-hmm. or what church he was at when that happened. Um, but yeah, that that to us was like just really transformative of like you know actually restoring someone and seeing their calls pastor uh i guess it's, it's difficult for me because
1: that's, good. I, that's a good start i am catch you right there seeing their call as pastor but also knowing who you're addressing when you're addressing mm-hmm. i think that's that was good you, you said that i think that's great like seeing that he saw that guy as a pastor yeah and then he engaged yeah
0: oh yeah um but so I guess, and this is, this is like the thing that makes it difficult, because I totally get what you're saying. I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense of like, you got to help me when they messed up. We got to have, you know, restorative practices and, and all this good stuff. Um, and, you know, care for them as, as we're saying, hey, you didn't do a good job. Uh, the thing that just, you know, I, I wrestle with is so many churches I know just like burn through like pastors or youth pastors, uh, where there's like a new one every year or two. And I'm guilty of being that pastor who has gone from <laughs> church to church for sometimes good reasons i think a lot of times good reasons sometimes not great reasons um and just feeling like crap because i'm like dang i built great relationships with these kids and they're like why don't why don't you stay man i love you i thought you loved me and i'm like i do and i want to keep loving you but it's tough when you kind of get paid to love people to be like i'm gonna get paid to love these people um obviously yeah i would do it without pay but um, so, you know, for example, like, I've just been at churches where, you know, they get, they fire the youth pastor or something like that, and they don't tell people, like, or there's, you know, some kind of like, well, unless it's like a moral failing, a lot of times they won't say, we let him go, or we let her go. It's like, well, you know, it was a mutual thing. Right. And I, I don't know, I feel like, I just go like, ah, is it really healthy to have a new youth pastor every three years or something
1: yeah. like that? I mean, it it could be, I don't, I, we've never seen it, so we don't know, um, kind of gave me an idea, like, how cool would that be, if every year you did have a new youth pastor, I'm like, you made that the routine, I, I just think the level of engagement, and zeal, anyways, like, a lot of training, onboarding, anyways, thinking from, like, an HR perspective, yeah. it'd be a nightmare, but, you know, you plan it out, um, whew. yeah, yeah, I, I think I think church has got to yeah, – I think you said it earlier. Church has got to take the calling more serious. Um, mm. Everybody does. Everybody's got to take it more serious. They were calling you to be – and set expectations. When I got hired, they asked, how long are you going to be here? I love that they asked mm. that. Yeah. I said minimum I said minimum five years, and I looked my manager in the eye. Well, he was interviewing me.
2: Yeah.
1: His name is Chris, because I was following him four months prior to getting the job we were friends and we were talking and I love talking to this guy. And, um, um, two people told me about the position. Then finally he told me, and I just said, okay, fine. I'll apply since you told me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, uh, and during my interview, I just, he just said, how long are you thinking about staying with us? I said, minimum, probably five years. If I'm going to be on staff here, minimum five years, mm-hmm. said, it's going to take two years just for me to get my bearings here. I'm from California. Yeah. I'm living in Seattle now. Like don't know anybody. He said, okay, I said, so minimum five years, and then I asked them, how many years are you going to be here?
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Hmm. And I, I didn't really think that through, so don't think of me. <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, to my credit, I, I I was just concerned about him. I wanted to follow him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, I just liked him. Like, yeah, I could work with you. This could be cool. Let's do it. And... At the time I didn't know this, but he had just about made the decision uh, to move to Florida with his family.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so he brought me on, and for about a year and a half, he just was the best. The best manager. Hmm. I always say Sharon from Hawaiian is my best manager. It's a toss-up between.
0: Okay, I get they're,
1: that. They're just so good. They're just man. If I if they were to both be my manager, oh goodness, it'd be amazing. If I ever became like a millionaire, I'd open up like a pub or restaurant <laughs> or something some business some startup just so yeah. i found it and then hired them to to be my manager that's how i get that okay that's how much i love I'll, I'll work for them in an instance if any of them don't tell my boss this, about <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there would ever be a chance in the future that we'd be able to work together i'd love i just love it it's just find people you work well with stick with them and i think that's what you're looking for when you're applying for a job at a church you're looking for those people that you fit well with yeah, the hearts. That's why I level with Bill Johnson. Does. Everybody, everybody calls him. You know, it's kind of cheesy, but I love it. I love it when they call him. They call him Papa Bill. Hmm. He's a dad to them. Yeah. Now don't call some pastor who's not really your dad figure like you know just like don't. Yeah. But but I love when the Bethel family calls Bill Papa Bill. It's just like they mean it. Like students who are like different ethnicity, different background, Papa Bill different upbringing, you know, and they just love how he has fathered and pastored them. And one of his key things is he says, are you going to, do you agree with our entire vision? All of it. And somebody will go, uh, no, not that part. And he goes, okay, I'm just it fit for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Crazy.
2: Yeah, no, it's
1: I get you. For us, it's kind of hard to hear because we just want to accept everybody and everybody gets a shot. But I think if we're gonna start giving everybody shots, we uh, like opportunities. We gotta start giving other people opportunities to fail too. Like you gotta know that you're not just gonna get the op- opportunity to try to be a pastor here. Um, if you're learning residency, resident programs, if our church has one. It's great. Hmm. That's what those are for.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, hours, getting your hours. That's what that's for. Oh yeah. But when you come into this profession, that. Is about the salvation of soul, it's about the proclamation of this good news. Man, there's a weightiness, and if we aren't doing an exceptional job, I'm not talking about programs, I'm just talking about our hearts. We, we definitely need to be called out on it. And,
0: oh, yeah, dude, and, I totally feel you. I'm so I'm curious because we talked a little bit about firing. Um, what do you think about you know the hiring processes? Because you know, I'll, I'll just share my opinion that like I've went through a lot of frustration with, uh, and you might have heard some of this, that like my home church, you know, had like a youth pastor opening, my youth pastor had left. And I had like, you know, been discipled by him. I'd been like his intern. I mean, I practically ran the youth ministry some nights um, had really, really found foundational and just phenomenal relationships with all the leaders uh, and the students. If I can, you know, pat myself on the back there. And uh, I, j- I just finished my bachelor's at APU and I was like starting my first semester at Fuller. So I'm like, great, like this this church discipled me. I basically came to Christ there and they end up going with like a search group, hiring just some other guy. And I remember, dude, this is like going back to a bitter time in my life. I basically was like, this dude's gonna be here for like a couple years, maybe like two or three, maybe no, five. I'm, if
1: you're like swoop in.
0: Yeah. I was like, and uh I'm just gonna leave. And you know, and you're gonna be like right back to square. Cause they had like they lost a ton of kids through some right. like bad decisions they made. Not uh the, the youth pastor leaving wasn't I don't think a ton of kids left because of that. And it was like of his own accord. Right. Very, very understandable decision. Um and yeah, I was like super bitter and they like didn't want to hire me, didn't even hire me back as intern. I was like furious. And I left. Now I'm you know where I'm at now and that dude left. After like three years. I think like they almost like I, I might be wrong, but the the rumor, you know, Christian gossip I heard was that like people were like tired of him. Like a bunch of parents wanted him out or something for some and I don't know why. I actually ended up growing to like him, uh uh for a number of different reasons. He's a really great guy. He's at a great church now, um, doing great work. Um, but like I remember thinking like, why do we do this? Like you know, like, why don't we have these apprenticeship and residency programs? Like, why would we disciple someone? And and, and maybe you disagree with me. And that's totally fine. But I'm I'm like, you know, why, why do we, like, you know, encourage these kids? Like, your church, it was like, hey, we affirm your calling and all this stuff. We're going to help you out. And maybe they didn't do everything perfect. But, you know, it was weird. Like, this church affirmed my calling. They're like, you're going to be a great pastor someday somewhere else. And I'm like, yeah, bro, what the heck? Uh,
1: yeah, we would just say... Um. yeah, our leadership, I think decisions like that would go over easier if our leadership got better at failing in front of our congregation uh, much more often. Um, now I'm not saying that that was a failed mistake. They should have hired you. I mean, like, dude, they right. should have. Um, but I think they were tricked from what I'm hearing and assuming best intent, you know, I think they were trying to do something new. I don't know if maybe that was a process they've gone through before. Most churches do research committees, but like, Yeah, I think it's difficult, and I think they didn't set up this new guy up well. If parents are, like, saying he's not good, like, dang, like, maybe we didn't set him up well enough. Maybe we just threw him to the dogs and didn't know we were. Um, I think a a few things that I'm really passionate about is recruiting, Mm onboarding, training, professional development, um, um, uh, uh, cross. uh cross training so cross department training oh interesting okay celebration which is just how we send people um what what one of the one of the signs of a healthy church is coming and going we're coming. Yeah. In. and so i believe we as a church need to recruit well hmm. um, again this isn't bell press this is just me if i open my own church we gotta, recruit oh, totally. well. we, gotta, we, gotta we gotta we gotta onboard really well We gotta let them know our vision. Let to know what the expectations are, what's expected of them, what Bill Johnson does in that meeting. And then we got to train them on just the basic stuff, PCO, whatever it is that we're using. Again, our church doesn't do this entirely. Um, We're getting there for sure. Um, And then training is just kind of the the intro. So anyways, back to training, it's three. And then four is professional development. So we're not only going to train you to do your job, a part of your job is to be better. And there's no excuse.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, whatever that thing may be, um, and it may be something that is not normally, excuse me, what you would do. So if you're a worship leader, like part of your professional development is going to be like learning to write, learning to write, uh you know, learning to compose a really good email, uh learning to, you know, volunteer engagement. Like we're going to develop you as a leader, as a manager. You got. Nine people on your worship staff. You're going to lead them well. So we're going to develop that. Mm. And then cross-training, I think, is important because any organization, again, if I were to go back and run any organization, um, you got to know what other people in other departments are doing. It just creates this, like, empathy where it's like, oh, yeah, I've worked there.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I'm not going to send communications another request for another event. Mm. You know, or, or whatever the thing may be.
0: Well, I totally get that. You're not going to be like, oh, who cares about children's ministry?" or "Who cares about whatever?" It's like, no, this is like. No, you're things-
1: serving. You're serving with youth once, once a month. You know, whatever that thing may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then celebration. We celebrate when people are elevated. And we celebrate when people leave. And and our goal is that other churches uh, headhunt. If again, if this were to be a church, even if I were to be a company, you know, um, nonprofit somewhere else. Like, I want other churches to try to steal my staff. Mm. Again, this is just me. If I were to run a church, right. this is how I'd do it. Um, because why? We have a really good recruiting process, really good hiring process, and we just have really good systems.
0: Yeah, no, I totally get you. And yeah, that's thing. That's something I've, I've been at churches with. And I think I'm at a church now with, yeah, great policies like that. Because um, yeah, I think that's just something that, that, man, we fail at so many times is like mm-hmm. transitions. Uh, I feel like it's like a big word to, to do it where it's like, hey, like, yeah, we're celebrating that this dude is moving on to something bigger and better. We're going to miss him, but we're so glad that he's going to the next thing God's calling to. And we got this guy who, you know, maybe you guys know him, maybe you're going to get to know him. Um, but like, you know, I feel like, yeah, that transition is so important where. hundred percent.
1: Yeah. That, last story. My friend was a pastor of a church uh, out of the state. He got recruited there, moved there with his whole family. He had kids in high school, moved to the state just for this job um, as an executive pastor. The senior pastor, within months, got jealous mm. and and confessed and and said, "Hey, I'm really jealous. I just don't like you. you're just too good. I'm intimidated by you." Yeah, I mean, wow. Kudos, kudos for him for being honest. Like, thank God. Um, and so he said, like, I want to let you go. Like, I can't function as a leader with you here in my space. And so my buddy said, okay, only under one condition. I can still come here as a, as a congregant. I can still come here as somebody. And I can still come here as somebody who was unofficially a uh, pastor who cares for everybody. And he said, okay, deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, crazy.
0: Wow, man. was pastoring from the pews,
1: bro. Yeah. That's Jesus. I mean, I don't know. I am so cool.
0: Yeah, I get you. I mean, man, that's a crazy story. I just, I don't know. I always worry like, uh, yeah, cause I, I've thought about too, by vocational ministry, that could be a whole nother episode, but like, yeah, I just keep thinking like, yeah, are our jobs only around for so much longer or should they be like, you know, like, are we going to have these and maybe, you know, maybe the mega churches will get bigger and swallow up the little ones, just like camps or whatever. Um, but yeah, I keep thinking, like, I don't know if church organizational structure uh, is going to look like it does now, where, like, we're going to have the executive pastor and the senior pa- and then the, the like, I-, I don't even know, like, the fifth and sixth grade pastor <laughs> or something like that. Right, right. right. So, um, yeah, I keep wondering, you know, how much more are we going to have, like, lay people doing stuff or, you know, and I think that's where, like, that's why seminaries are kind of going out of business, because you know, not a lot of denominational churches are ordaining anymore or not uh, that, that less and less people are going to those. And churches like the one I go to where you don't need to have an MDiv, you don't need to be ordained right. um, are popping up. And yeah, I, I I think it might be a good thing the more the church goes away from that. But then again, it's kind of tough because that's how I make my living. You know, that housing allowance is pretty nice um, and really helps guys like you and I out. So
1: yeah no i mean we'll we'll see i think the reason seminaries this is my final thought i think the reason reason seminaries are doing such a hard time is because churches are doing a bad job at lay leadership
2: Hmm.
1: because it's the lay leaders it's not the kid who gets his undergrad like why do we need to have that like we need to start going after like you know like engineers like people who are getting their degrees and are wondering what to do after like Hmm people like no not me because i studied the bible in my undergrad and Now i want to study it again like
2: mm-hmm.
1: not for me i just really like it but yeah you got to start looking at like those people who are called to ministry and lay leadership anyways if you know anybody at fuller tell them to call me i got all the answers for them
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: all right sounds good
0: well hey man i appreciate you being on the podcast and for um, extra long episode but um Dude, I love getting to talk with you. I love hearing your thoughts and opinions. And uh, if you're fine. okay with it, I hope this isn't the last time you're on. Come on, call me. All right. Well, I love you, man. And Bye. Uh, Bye. hopefully all...
2: See ya. Peace.
0: I really, really enjoyed my conversation with Gabe. Uh, it just felt like we could go on and on and just had a ton of fun talking about these different kinds of things. I don't know if I can say I changed my mind on any one thing, except for maybe that I think gave changed my mind when it came to firing pastors and what it looked like to keep them accountable, to really set goals, and that maybe sometimes you do need to let them go, but to let them go well. Uh, I had previously thought that we should continue to disciple pastors, that really if we fire them, we are uncalling them. Uh, But maybe there is a difference between having a specific job or being called to a specific place, that that's differentiated from being called in general to be a pastor and a minister of the gospel. Thank you so much for listening today. Uh, we hope you check in more. Uh, but feel free to leave us any questions, comments, or concerns uh, at youchangemymindpodcast at gmail.com. That's any questions, comments, or concerns at youchangemymindpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you uh, and love to maybe include that in the show some way, somehow,
2: uh, to see where it goes.